0: What's shaking cats and kittens? Rob Lee here, and today's episode of The Truth in His Art is sponsored by a new online art platform called Fire and Bliss Creative. Fire and Bliss is the first art platform that I've seen that focuses on the art of the LGBTQ plus, BIPOC, and ally artists exclusively. And I have to say, the pieces are amazing. Whether you're looking specifically to add diverse art to your collection, or you have a space that needs a bit of updating, every single print on fireandbliss.com has been created by a diverse, independent artist who maintains full control over their art and their profit. I worked with Fire and Bliss to curate a collection of my favorite pieces, like Somewhere Blue by Wodrich Francois. Shop my favorites at fireandbliss.com backslash truth and get 20% off your first purchase at fire and bliss. Again, that's fireandbliss.com backslash truth and use the code truth for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the truth in this Heart. I'm your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of speaking with... You know, Captain the, the, the Man, the myth, the legend. We have Kirk Francis from A Captain Cookie and the Milkman. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming here. It's, it's, it's good to bring some class here. I'm I'm trying my damnedest not to say that's the way the cookie crumbles, but I might, so forgive me in advance. Um <laughs> there's no use crying over spilled milk. You know? ah, 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 see, you're 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 on the same page. Yep. Uh so for, for our listeners that don't don't know about the, what you're doing and, and, and all of that good stuff and or even about your, your business, um, could you please introduce yourself and what got you interested in being in the food and beverage industry?
1: Sure. So I'm Kirk Francis, also known as Captain Cookie, um, and I started a cookie business about mm, 13, 14 years ago now, actually, when I started wholesaling cookies to coffee shops uh, in D.C., I've been obsessed with cookies my entire life, baked goods <laughs> in general. Um, my mom did not cook or bake a lot. And so if you wanted cookies, you kind of had to make them yourself. So I started from a very early age making cookies. And, you know, I would, I would bake. I like to bake in large batches. You know, it, does, it takes about the same amount of time to make a big batch as it does a small so I would bring them into school and I would get tons of positive reinforcement because people would be like, oh, yeah, keep these free cookies coming. They're great. You're, <laughs> you're an awesome baker. Right? Bring more next week so I can try them again and make sure. So I kept baking through elementary school, middle school, high school. I got a job at a bakery when I was in college at, and uh, I was at UNC. So I went to Foster's Market, which was a nearby bakery, and cafe. And when I moved up to D.C. in 2008, that's when I started wholesaling cookies to coffee shops just on the side. Uh, I still had a day job.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm coming up with a question cause I, I have a cookie related question for you. Don't know, put in these rapid fire questions, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, so you, you, started off where we're basically kind of, you know, getting people hooked. It's what I got guys, you know, here, here's the, <laughs> here's the, the free cookies. And once I got you hooked now, here's the, here's the other ones. So tell me about, like that first time you recall like baking something. And I'm not talking about necessarily the wins. I'm talking about like, all right, yeah. So I burnt this pie crust. What was that first baking experience? What do you remember about it? (laughs) I was about
1: four and I made some toast. And again, I was four. And my brilliant (laughs) idea was I was going to put barbecue sauce on this toast. And that was going to be my creation. I was super proud of it. I brought it to my dad and was like, dad, you know, I just invented this. You can have the first bite. And he declined uh, to try it.
0: You <laughs> were like, "Dad, get it on the ground floor." Uh, I have this, I have this brand new business that you're. I mean, I've heard of avocado toast, shrimp toast, but barbecue toast. I don't know barbecue barbecue uh, 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 sauce toast. I don't know. I don't know if that works. Yeah, I should have made it an NFT and sold it for
1: fifty bucks instead. You know, nice. But it really been forward thinking.
0: So, what, were there any was was there any instance of like? Of formal training when it came to like your experience within like food is it kind of trial and error and ultimately i guess i'm getting that like where where do the recipes come from
1: the recipes are all mine Uh, they start in different places but they end up being mine after i tweak them and change them and adapt them Mm -hmm. and no in terms of formal training i don't have any i've just been obsessed with baking and cookies for decades (laughs) now and uh trial and error I picked up, obviously, you know, moving from home baking to commercial baking is different. So I learned all I could when I was at Foster's Market. And there are a couple mentors in DC who, when I was first renting commercial kitchens, really helped me figure out like, hey, here's how you, here's where you should buy your ingredients. Here's how you can scale. Here's the guy who has the best, you know, chocolate chips in the business, that kind of thing.
0: That's good. That's good. Because I, I think when people who don't, When people are doing the tinkering, which is a segue to my next question, when people are doing the tinkering and kind of figuring out how to, you get the basis, you get what you're you're doing, this is how this works, and getting the really good ingredients and, and making those connections that way, then you're able to kind of break the rules. And I think... Cookies, desserts, things of that nature. There's a technical component to it, obviously, but really, you want the good goodness. You you want the butter. You want the 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 sweets. You want to you want to attach at least in my head. And maybe maybe for you, going back to you know doing this and really having this pursuit for decades at this at this point of you're attaching yourself to a memory. Like I remember having these really great cookies. I remember like here, right? Um, and I've learned they're not quite accurate, but I've learned I I love like snickerdoodles. And it's not the traditional version because it's essentially, in my opinion, maybe correct me, but it's like a cinnamon sugar cookie. But um, here, um, it's like Lexington Market, Baltimore, the world-famous Lexington Market. My mom would always get these um, kind of underbaked—they were delicious because they were super soft, like underbaked— they were almost like a regular sugar cookie with a hint of cinnamon. That was their style of Snickerdoodles, and that's what I associate. That memory of being like five, and I still get the same style. It's it's transcended. It's handed down from my mom. So whenever I can, I can go back to it because uh, my birthday in January, she got me a pound of cookies from there, and she was like, "Here's your favorite." I was like, "You remember?" <laughs> you know, that's
1: awesome. You're you're 100 right on the money with with all that you're saying because yes uh you know you can get fancy and you can get technical but you know, like in the end like you know do you have the right amount of butter do you have the right amount of salt like people there's no magical ingredient that's going to replace butter and eggs and sugar you know people want that and it's because they're delicious um and like i you know i make a vegan cookie and substituting Butter was the most difficult part of it because butter is just really delicious. It it melts at the right temperature. It has all the stuff in it that people want to taste. Uh, you know, your body just likes butter. So, but on the memories, one hundred percent. Like you know, I in the same way, I can remember going with my dad to this bakery that had like incredible lemon bars and brownies. I can remember, you know, cinnamon rolls. Uh, <laughs> that, anyway, yes, you're like you are part of a memory, and so that's kind of you know you you want to make sure that things stay good uh -hmm. you know that's kind of one of the challenges as we've grown is there's always when you go up a level when you're like okay now i'm going to order like a a pallet of flour i'm going to order like a you know two thousand pounds of flour at a time and the supplier like i can get you i can save you five hundred dollars on that flour you know switch to this brand and you got to do your homework because you make you know the descent into terrible cookie hood to like mediocre <laughs> baked goods. It's not one big choice, you know. Uh, it's not the blue pill or the red pill. It's like, save a little money here, save a little money here. Oh, they were out of this one. I'm going to, we're going to switch to this one. We're going to switch to the, you know, you, you just make little tiny choices that eventually. And in your cookie being very mediocre. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a kind of a constant battle. Like every time I'm thinking about making an ingredient change, I'm like, is this equally good or better than what I was using before? Like, you know, cause you can't, there's so many people get big and then they get mediocre. And so we're trying to not, obviously we're not in danger of getting huge. You know, we're not Walmart, but uh, we, I'm trying to make sure that the cookies always stay really good.
0: Yeah, and that that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and so outside of this podcast, I do a movie review like pod, and I've imp- implemented this one segment in it called One Fix. And I think like most things, there's one fix that's there. And, you know, like I'm a cookie connoisseur. It's so like that's just what that is for me. And I look at the whole gamut, especially if you're like buying something that might not necessarily be like like going to a fresh shot and like these just came out of the oven, bong bong. But something that this is like DMV because like I'm in Baltimore. So there's there's one like brand that it's like their cookie is great. I, I, I like they have a really odd cookie. I like it. They get all the flavors, all the components are right. But then their packaging is bad. So yeah. in that the packaging, the whatever uh, I guess it's plastic or what have you that they're using, it's like you should you should fix that. You should replace it because once you turn into it you can't like reseal it. So that means you have to eat all six of these kind of big cookies or they're going to be stale and nullifying that experience. Mm -hmm. And kind of as a result, I don't really buy from them anymore because it's like, I don't want to put it in like a Ziploc bag. It's going to have a different flavor. And I want it to be what I remember when I first got it. So, so in it, I want to go back into this question. Um, so, with your experience in tinkering and, and, and in scaling, right? Um, yep. What is that one ingredient that you're just like, I can't skimp on this. I, I can't. Um, is it butter? Is it flour? And, and why is that that ingredient? That that depends on each cookie.
1: Each cookie has its kind of keystone ingredient. Sure. For chocolate chips, for chocolate chip cookies, which are the one we make the most, it's the chocolate chips. Um, You can buy many different brands of butter. They're all double A butter. Like, you know, you can buy a lot of different brands of sugar. And they do make, I mean, you know, as you go down the cookie rabbit hole, like these things all make a difference. But the chocolate chip is the last thing that melts in your mouth. It's like the most distinct component of a chocolate chip cookie. And if it is bad, then like you're going to be left with an aftertaste of bad Med- bad chocolate and like fake vanilla and fake whatever. But like, if the chocolate chip is good, it can rescue a mediocre cookie. So the chocolate chip is what you cannot skip on when it comes to chocolate chip cookies.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's that's very true. Um, I almost look at it the way that you described it, I almost looked at it as the same way as like a pizza. It's like whenever someone goes extra with the toppings, I was like, you're masking something. Your sauce is bad, your cheese is mid, or your crust is whack. I don't know which one it is, but I'm gonna be very critical of it because I'm looking for it. And, you know, like the things that I like. And and you, you mentioned one of them. You mentioned chocolate chip cookies. Now I'm a bit of a snob. I like nuts in my chocolate chip cookies. I'm a chocolate <laughs> chip walnut guy. But um but literally whenever I find a thing, it's like, oh no, that's where I get my chocolate chip cookies from. You know, like I'll travel for my thing. So I, I remember it was once I was down in um DC that was the closest uh, magnolia and I was like, i am getting some banana pudding so I'm gonna take this train down here to get it this is this is this is convenient this is smart to me not going to New York this is responsible but <laughs> <laughs> you that's your alternative yes you're right yeah. that is
1: responsible um, but yeah, yeah. It, it, also you save you know, like you know if you care about eating like a really good cookie if you're like, I have two thousand calories today I'm gonna spend them very wisely then <laughs> You're better off eating that one delicious cookie that maybe has 250 calories than like satisfying yourself with maybe like five Snickers bars or something else that's not quite hitting the craving that you yeah. really wanted to so eat too much of it, you know. So save your calories for those good ones and you end up being more fit overall.
0: Absolutely. I agree. So, talk about your your career path, what have you, before um, going into the food truck. You quit that nine to five, and describe that that moment when because I think it's been about what ten years. So, describe that moment that like that made, helped you decide to you know do the, the food truck full time.
1: So, I had been uh, for about four years, like two thousand eight to two thousand twelve. I had been doing this thing where. During the day, I was a contractor for um, Homeland Securities with one of the big contracting agencies. And it was fine. Uh, it paid the bills. And at night and on weekends, I was doing cookies. So I was doing maybe 50 hours a week in my day job and like 20 to 30 hours a week um, doing cookies on the side, delivering wow. the coffee shops and stuff. And which was helpful because it prepared me for like the ridiculous hours that being an entrepreneur, or food truck owner were, were about to be but I actually never tried to do the food truck simultaneously with the, um, day job. Like I, I, I wanted to give it, like, I had just invested like my entire life savings, uh, and borrowed money from my mom to build the food truck. And I figured I, this is the time to try it out. And I knew that I had known, I had known forever that at some point I was going to quit my job and, and try a bakery. And so when I first got my like nice job with like a 401k and everything, i started like saving money like crazy. I was eating beans and rice, like I was saving all my vacation time, putting money in the 401k, like everything I everything I could do to save while I had that money-making job because I knew that I was gonna try this at some point. And I had I had worked in restaurants, like I worked at a Tex-Mex restaurant and other food places, and I saw people who worked in those restaurants for, you know, that was their career for decades. And I, just based on the wages, it's very difficult to work at a bakery and end up owning a bakery. Like it is just hard to make enough money to do that because the wages just usually aren't very good. And so I knew that I was going to have to get into my bakery sideways. I was going to have to get some kind of money making job and then come back into the industry to try and start something and, and own it. Because if I just stayed working at that bakery like for twenty years, at the end of it, like I probably wouldn't have enough to do it. So, um, so it was a little weird. But like, yeah, I I did my I did my like four or five years in corporate world made enough money to save up some and like pay to build this cookie truck. And then I quit the job. Um, albeit on very good terms. I told everyone like, I might be crawling back in six months. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> look out for me. Uh, if this selling cookies out of a van down by the river doesn't work out. Um, and uh, yeah, I think around, it was around February, maybe March 2012 when I left the job and sold cookies. My first day I drove around and I made $250. I remember I called my dad, Who's a doctor? And I was like, Dad, like, you know, with first day on the cookie truck, I made 250 bucks. Like, this was awesome. (laughs) And he says, Well, Kirk, how did you get time off work to do that? And I'm like, (laughs) Oh, Dad, I quit my job. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) It was was just silence, silence. He's like, You
0: need to come in for a checkup.
1: (laughs) Yeah. My grandma, uh, my grandma on that side would kept mailing me care packages for the for like once in a month, she would mail me a care package with like food in it. <laughs> and I was, so as soon as I got my first article written about like this Captain Cookie food truck that was doing well, I sent it to her. I was like, look, grandma, it's a real thing. You don't have to keep mailing me food. I'm OK. <laughs>
0: That's great. So so what what would you say um, in this this time frame has been that that that, that milestone of, of Captain Cookie? hmm like, well you know one of the one of the bigger ones it may be multiple but one of the bigger ones to come to mind
1: probably the biggest reality check was um so the cookie truck went well i built a second one like the next year like 2014 2013 and you know obviously in order to run it i needed a, someone else to run it and so i hired my first full-time employee and that was really sobering because i was like holy cow I am responsible for this guy being able to pay his apartment rent, like for you know saving up for his wedding or whatever. Like this guy trusts me, who I'm is flying by the seat of my pants, driving a cookie truck around and fixing it when it breaks every week, to provide an income for him. So that was really, you know, a milestone that really made me kind of like take it seriously. Um, I remember another time was when someone booked a wedding for a year in advance, um, and I thought, whoa you have a lot of trust in me (laughs) like you know this is a food truck you know this isn't like you know this isn't some costco or something where like it's gonna be there 10 years from now i i I hope it will but i appreciate your faith in booking this (laughs) so um and then after that you know we had some like when the first time that we really blew up at an event I think there were two we had one at old soldiers home which uh for the fourth of july where we we had like 90 people in line and i was i mean that was such a thrill uh you know you're working like you're i mean you are just working your fingers to the bone as fast as you can and there's this line of people who all want your cookies because Mm. they're good and you're just it is such a it's such an ego trip and a rush and like you know just felt a lot of great things. Uh, And then at Taste of DC in 2013, we also blew up, I think we served uh, about like 3,000 people in one day at Taste of DC. And uh, we just had a line almost the whole day. And it was just exhilarating uh, and uh, exhausting as well. But just really like, hey, I got this right. This is going to work out, you know, (laughs) really thrilling.
0: So, what would you say the 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 challenges or the differences between like you know being a baker, and owning a food truck, to transitioning to having the brick and mortar locations?
1: It's the challenges have changed. Like, so the first year was just getting myself in the mindset, like, yeah, I'm going to work 110 hours a week and for years, and that's just how it's going to be in order to like make this into something that I can have. Um, you know, that was like three and a half years of not attending anything on Fridays and Saturdays. So, like, <laughs> no birthdays, no no whatevers, um, you know, because that's when all the events are. And so that was hard. And then the second year, it was logistics. Like, you know, having two or three trucks uh, and, like, maybe each of them has two or three different events in different locations in Arlington and Fairfax and, and MoCo and, and D.C. And they need different prep and, like, different staff have to show up. So figuring out the logistics then when we got more and we got the brick and mortar it was more paperwork it was like okay now i have like they're like you know six different permits that each food truck needs uh in every jurisdiction the you know brick and mortar has its own paperwork i've now hired a bunch of gw students who each have like some different state that they're claiming for tax purposes and so i got to file state taxes in nine different states and so just Mm -hmm. keeping everything legal um, or at least within like a week or two of being legal was the challenge then. And now it's probably, you know, it's by like, you know, managing people I think has been kind of consistently more the challenge um, and just being smart with money because, you know, you can, you can get enough rope to hang yourself when you get more than like past a couple stores. Um, you know, a bank will be like, Hey, we'll loan you half a million dollars. And you're like, Oh, that sounds really good. And then you're like, <laughs> Wait a second! If I screw this up, they're coming for my house. They're coming for my car. They're coming for my store. I'm gonna have nothing. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, you just making smart decisions with with big money and not just being gung ho and like, yeah, we'll build stores everywhere because you could you could start not like that, but it's gonna end up badly most of the time. So, people people and money right now are the big challenges, the differences.
0: So, so in that vein, um, I got two last questions of real questions. And this next one would be, um, I, obviously, I, I, got, I get a warm, inviting, kind of fun, whimsical vibe from you. What are some of the creative things that you do with, with Captain and Cookie to develop a likable like, culture? Well, we try to hire
1: friendly people as much as possible. Um, we are not rocket science anyone can learn to scoop ice cream and like bake cookies. And so we're really looking for someone who is going to be friendly and honest and reliable and whatever skills and background you have, like it really doesn't matter. Um, you like, you know, as long as you are friendly and honest and reliable, we, we trust that like that person is going to be able to create that whimsical welping, welcoming environment that you're talking about because also, like we're selling cookies and ice cream. Like you can't be Oscar the Grouch or the soup Nazi here. Like you have to be kind of friendly. People are coming into the store either because they're celebrating something and they want something sweet to go with it, or because they need a pick-me-up because like they're down. Yeah. And um, you know, either way, like just being sincerely friendly and wanting to like help that person out just goes a long way because people are gonna remember one, how good a cookie is, but two, like how do they feel when they were in the store. Um, so that's the, just just trying to hire friendly people and take care of them. You know, my, my cell phone number is taped to every cash register that we have. Um, we, we throw employee parties. We try to pay better, just a little better than, than the average for our industry. And since we are still a small company, we just have all those little things, you know, like, Hey, so-and-so's car broke down. They need an advance on their paycheck. Um, you know, so-and-so is. Having a substance issue and like you know they're AWOL for two and a half months. They showed back up. They got treatment. Like, can you take them back? Yes, we you know we can. Uh, like, so and so is having a mental health break. Like, we can we can work with that. Um, yeah. So, you know, which which when you get when you get bigger and bigger, it, it's it, and I get it. Like you know I understand why there are why you have to have policies and fewer exceptions as you get bigger. Um, but like we're fortunately we're still small enough where like we can still take care of people. And be in touch with everybody and like know the people who who are working for us
0: i dig it and, and thank you for sharing that because uh that's something that I, I i recognize that as we come out of the pandemic or as the pandemic is downshifting if you will there has been the great exodus people leaving jobs and so on and a lot of times it's not like money is a piece of it right but mm-hmm. a lot of times it's about how do they feel about the place that they're working at how do they feel like they're taken care of and you know the pandemic showed that a lot of these companies do not care, or do not care in a way yep. that that matters. So people are like, "All right, I'm going to take my talents elsewhere," and that's what's what, what happens. So to hear that, you know, one of the things that's that's baked in—another pun, sorry—to uh, to what you what you're doing there is important to know that people are important, and you know, it's one of the challenges as you touched on, but people are important. Uh, mm-hmm. So, last, like, real question I have, and this is just, you know, something that is kind of brief. It's almost a sasson to the rapid fire questions. But uh, so, Captain Cookie and the Milkman, the three words, what what are they? What's the three words that would describe your biz? Mm. Um,
1: We are, hmm, well, we're sincere. And. Oh, quality is such a banal, overused word. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, like, I'm going to say great because, like, the cookie is great. Um, and uh, Modest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Look,
1: if I didn't think I had the best cookie, I wouldn't be in the business. See, you know? I, I
0: like it. I like it. I talk that talk. I got the same energy. I like it. And uh, to be honest,
1: like, you know, if my cookie isn't the best, I will find out who is making a better one, and I will retcon the recipe, and I will fix my recipe to make it better. <laughs> Cause I had that happen with the snickerdoodle. I, I like, I ate someone else's snickerdoodle about four or five years ago and it was better than mine. Um, it was the pioneer woman's snickerdoodle oh. and I was, I was so ticked off. Um, and anyway, and like, you know, enter like a, like a That's one great. and a half month, like <laughs> intensive snickerdoodle, like, you know, laboratory phase. And <laughs> the snickerdoodle is way better now. It, it is on a par it was equal to or better than than the pioneer woman's okay. in my
0: opinion. <laughs> you're, you're selling the ticket. You're the ticket right there.
1: That's true. I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't have the gravitas to you know actually get into a contest with the pioneer woman. She would crush me. Um, but you know. But I. I think that our cookie stands up to it now. I dig it. Um, and then the third one. Uh, let's see. A fr- friendly. You know. Can't go wrong with friendly.
0: Okay. All right. So now I've been like filling in like new questions in here. And these are rapid fire. So all of the goodwill that I've established, you know, as we're breaking bread or, or having crumbs everywhere, all the goodwill that I've established, I'm going to just like, just, just pour it all away. Uh, So here's some rapid fire questions. Uh, What is your birthday meal? We all have a certain meal. It's a thing that we have to have on our birthdays. What is that thing for you?
1: It's going to be either cinnamon rolls or carrot cakes. Mm. for the dessert and uh for the meal of um, uh, like i love chinese food uh i would love to have like uh, a legitimate like uh either sichuan hot pot or um or a siji dough which is like a a, a dry fried string bean or something like that twice uh-huh. cooked pork, really good any any kind of authentic sichuan chinese food and uh, and a cinnamon roll
0: that's what I want. That's legit. That's legit. I'll, I'll tell you about the carrot cake story uh, off mic. Uh, favorite movie? Amelie. Okay, you were ready. You were prepared. Uh, favorite food show?
1: I don't watch any. Well, no, I that's wrong. I've uh, what's that? Uh, Great British Baking Show. I like Great British Baking Show.
0: Same, same. Uh huh. We make fun of what we do. Our we, we like kind of turn it down and on certain pots and pause it where we're watching it, and we'll just interject like what we think should be said at this next thing. It's like, oh no, you're gonna you're burning it. Turn the oven off.
1: <laughs> yes, same here. Like you watch people making mistakes in slow motion. You're like,
0: no, take it out. <laughs> that's like, don't fall over. Uh, tell me, tell me about um. I feel like in the test kitchen, you, you may have gotten to a, a point where you've done something super grandiose. It's like, look, I'm going to make this type of cookie. It's going to work, but it didn't really make it to the menu as an offering. Is is there an example that comes to mind for you?
1: Oh, there's several.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> and and when I make mistakes, they're like 400-pound batch mistakes. You know? So, <sighs> <laughs> um, so I uh, was, this one was early on. It was probably like only an 80-pound batch of, of cookie dough, but I was like, I saw like some pinwheel cookies and I was like, oh, I'm going to do that and then I was like, I want to do a citrus cuz it's summer. So I made lemon lime pinwheel cookies. So I made two separate doughs. I zested like 60 lemons and probably about 80 limes. Uh, you know, folded the zest into the batter. I add a little bit of food coloring to each one. So like your, your lemon dough was yellow and your lime dough was green. I rolled out the sheets flat, laid them on top of each other, like rolled them up into perfect spirals, sliced them, baked them. These were perfect little yellow, green spirals flecked with zest. Um, and, uh, no one bought them. People Damn. were not at all. Um, and, uh, it was the most effort, I think, that I've put into any like large-scale cookie, and it, it flopped super hard. People were like, that is super interesting. I will have a chocolate chip, please.
0: <laughs> oh, that stinks. I, I mean, it yeah. sounds great, though, because I, I I I like that lemon and lime flavor combination. I think it's underused in a lot of uh, pastries, I, I will say, uh, or baked goods, what have you. There's a, a pie place here locally that did a creamsicle pie and yeah. i was like this is great and and, they, and it was kind of the temporary replacement for their key lime and i was like no no key lime was coming back right i was like let's not you know this is great but let's not be, be foolish here let's not be so excessive <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so mess you know, around right with key lime no 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 it's gotta be on there um so last, last question I got for you that, um, is in this rapid fire space. Uh, so music, podcasts, or silence when you're working and if it's music or podcast, what are you listening to?
1: It's, uh, so it's going to be either music or silence. Um, I'm usually, let's see if I'm in the North Carolina store and I'm making dough, then, um, I don't have a radio in there, so it's usually silence. Uh, but if I'm in uh, Tastemakers, which is our kitchen in D.C. where we make all our dough, uh, then it's usually I'm getting music from four different areas because uh, mm-hmm. like, everyone has their boom box and it's it's a crazy madhouse kitchen environment. But if, I, if I've got it, then I'm listening to some terrible 80s or <laughs> some uh,
0: bare-naked ladies, uh, stunt or maroon. I dig it. So that's pretty much it for me. I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast. And two, I want to invite you and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, uh, Captain Cookie, the whole thing
1: oh yeah well hey I'm honored to be here I appreciate your time The uh, you can check us out at CaptainCookieDC.com and if you're the, in the DMV we've got one store in Foggy Bottom 2000 Pennsylvania next to GW we've we got one up in Brooklyn at 2800 Street Northeast and we got one in Eastern Market at 660 Pennsylvania Avenue Southeast and we're coming soon to Cleveland Park and uh, Courthouse in Arlington Virginia
0: love to hear it So uh, for Kirk Francis of Captain Cookie and The Milkman, I am Rob Lee saying that there is um, food in and around your city. You just gotta look for it.